0: to God. Please be seated. Well, friends, we have made it. It's a new year, 2024. And you know, it's like every year saying that feels weird. Maybe this year in particular because I still write 2022 when I sign my name and there's no way that I'm the only one that does that. So maybe this year instead of 22, I can begin to write 23 and scratch the three out and write four instead. But, I mean, there is something about the first Sunday and the first week of a new year, something about it that I just love. I mean, it's, it's a season that almost gives us permission to take a step back from our lives for just a moment and, and reevaluate what we are doing and where we think we are headed. It's a time where a lot of people reprioritize their habits, they try to hit the reset button of their day-to-day life, their routines, to reconsider what priorities uh, are present in, in your life, and really think about who you want to be over these next 12 months. And I've been spending a lot of time over the last couple of months thinking about what that might mean for us as a church as we head into this new year, together. Because look, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we have had what I would call a challenging last couple of years as a church and as a society. I mean, as a church, we've had multiple staff changes. We've been walking through somewhat uncertain times with our denomination that could possibly continue to be uncertain into this next year. We've just changed worship times, which kudos to all of you for making it here on time at 845. I am so proud of you. A lot of things that we did not anticipate happening at the beginning of 2023. If you broaden that to the society, I mean, over these last couple of years, we've been facing things like pandemics and contentious elections and inflation and a deeply divided political system. And that doesn't even go into all of the war-torn areas across our world right now that we see updates on each and every day, right? And that doesn't even include what has been going on in your personal life over these last couple of years. My point is that if we look back, I think it's safe to say That on all fronts, the life of our church, the life of our society, your personal family, day to day life, things have not gone according to plan. Which means I think it's also safe to say that more than likely 2024 will not follow the exact plan that we have laid out for it either. And look, that doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. That, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't set goals. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have New Year's resolutions. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. But I do think we need to have a certain level of, of awareness that in the end, we are not in control. In the end, we are just along for the ride in a lot of ways. In the end, I think we have to trust that God is holding us in the palm of his hand leading and guiding, molding and shaping us as we make this journey through life. That's what's been rolling around in my head over the last couple of months. And I've prayed and I've thought about how how we as Bluff Park, how we should start out the year. What should our focus be? What what is our launch point going to be as we enter into 2024? Who are we going to strive to be over this next year? What will it take for us as a church to live into our mission? To be in a position where we can actually fulfill our calling to be the hands and feet of Jesus no matter what the year might bring us. As I've been thinking about all of that, there's there's been one word that I haven't been able to get out of my head. Resilient. I started to ask myself the question, what if, what if that was what this church was known for? What if when someone was walking through the aisles at Piggly Wiggly and they heard someone say something about Bluff Park United Methodist Church, what if the first thing that came to their mind is, man, that is a resilient. Church. What if the first thing they thought is that, you know, those people at that church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens in their life. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. It doesn't matter what happens in our community. No matter what, they are going to love God and they are going to love neighbor. No matter what, they're going to live out their mission. I mean, what if we as a church were known for our resilience? As you can tell, I got pretty fired up about that idea. It, it excites me just, just talking about it. So I started to do a little bit of research, and I was amazed at how much scholarly, academic, PhD-level, Harvard-backed research there is out there about resilience, specifically studying the habits that the most resilient people and resilient organizations do? How they live their life, what are the little things that they do that allow them to live a life of resilience? One of the bits of research that I read talked about how resilience is not just the capacity that we have to endure pain or hardship, but the strength and speed of our ability to respond to adversity. Our ability to stay on track despite what is going on around us. And it is something that the research shows that we can build and we can grow in our lives. And I've come to believe that we can build and grow in our faith. They talked about how resilience is not just having a backbone, but it's about strengthening the muscles around the backbone. Here's what struck me about my reading the most. Not all, but most of the habits and traits that research shows that resilient people do, those things that strengthen those muscles around the backbone, are things that we should be doing as followers of Jesus. In fact, most of what the research mentions is stuff that is found all over Scripture. Resilient people, according to the research, among other things, are compassionate Present, prayerful, and courageous. So friends, over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how we as individuals and how we as a church can be compassionate, present, prayerful, and courageous so that we might be known in our community as being resilient. Unshakable followers of Christ, always ready to go where God is calling us no matter what it is that is happening Around us, and this week we start with compassion. Our scripture reading for this morning is one of the many moments that we see Christ show compassion to someone in need. What I found this week is that that Greek phrase that we read in our scripture, "moved with compassion," occurs twelve times in our Bibles, all of them occurring in the Gospels, and all of them talking about. Jesus. He had compassion when he saw the hungry crowds wandering like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on the sick in multiple areas of the scriptures where he healed them and and forgave them. He told parables of kings having compassion and forgiving the debts of their slaves, or the blind men in our text for today experiencing the compassion of Jesus when he touches their eyes and gives them the gift of sight." He had compassion on a widow whose son had just died. He talks of a, of a Samaritan's compassion on a man who had fallen victim to thieves and robbers on the road down to Jericho. And of course, the compassion of a father welcoming a prodigal son home. I mean, it goes without saying, doesn't it, that Jesus lived a life of compassion over and over, showing us what it looks like to be a compassionate, forgiving, merciful people. And oh my goodness, was Jesus resilient. I mean, Jesus is one of the, if not the most resilient person, I think, to ever walk the earth. I mean, just 10 verses before our reading for today, Jesus announces for the third time what he is going to face, what he's going to run into when he comes into the city of Jerusalem. I mean, Jesus in the midst of his journey to the cross, dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees trying to get him to slip and tumble, leading a group of disciples that were having a really hard time coming to terms with what Jesus was going to have to do in Jerusalem. I mean, literally the weight of the world on his shoulders. And still, Jesus had time to stop and show compassion to a couple of blind beggars on the side of the road. Jesus' resilience was such that it didn't matter what was going on around him. He was going to be compassionate to those in need. He was going to show mercy, and he was going to be loving. The question for us is how can we be compassionate? How can we be resilient like that how can we live our lives every day with that sort of compassion at the forefront of our actions how can we have such a resilience that that it won't matter what 2024 has in store for us that we already know that we're going to be the hands and the feet of Jesus it's a big question isn't it but I think the answer is simpler than you might expect I mean, I, I firmly believe that the only way for us to begin to live with that same love, that same mercy, that same compassion that we see all over the life of Jesus, the only way that we can consistently be the hands and the feet of Christ is if we first remember the compassion and the mercy, the forgiveness and the grace that Christ has shown Us. I mean look, guys, the the first step for us to be a resilient church in 2024, the first step for us to be a compassionate church in 2024 is to simply remember that we are the blind men reaching out to Jesus for healing that we are the hungry crowd, that we are the grieving widow, that we are the man in the ditch in need of rescue, that we are the prodigal son running back into the arms of the loving, forgiving Father. Our ability to be compassionate, our ability to be the hands and the feet of Jesus is deeply rooted in the compassion that Christ first showed us. It's only then that we can begin to reflect it back out into the world. I think if we're going to be a resilient people, if we're going to be a resilient church, I think that is where we have to start today. And of course, one of the greatest stories of resilience that, that I have ever heard is the story of Louis Zamperini. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story. The movie and the book Unbroken tell the story of his life. And y'all, it is just a remarkable story of resilience and compassion, and one that I think is worth us revisiting today as we seek to be a people of resilience this year. He was an American World War II veteran, he was an Olympic distance runner. In 1941, he was commissioned into the United States Air Force as a lieutenant, and he served as a bomber for the B 24 Liberators. On a search and rescue mission, Zamperini's plane experienced mechanical difficulties and it crashed into the ocean. And he was stuck drifting on a raft in the open sea for 47 days. And eventually he was captured on the Marshall Islands by the Japanese. He was taken to two different prisoner of war camps in Japan where he was tortured and beaten repeatedly by the Japanese military, but specifically by a guard that went by the name of the bird. If you've seen the movie, then, then you know that because the bird gets a lot of FaceTime in, in the movie. And the bird hated Louis. It seems specifically because he was an Olympic runner and carried fame with him wherever he went. The bird made it his mission to try and break Louis's spirit. But if you know the story, you know that he failed. And that eventually the war ended, and Louis's camp was liberated. I feel like that's the part of Louis' story that I'm guessing most of us are familiar with, but what I want to zero in this morning is the second half of his story, because I think that's where the real lesson is for us this morning. When he got home, he began to struggle with PTSD and and depression. He couldn't sleep. He was haunted by nightmares. Every night, he relived the horrors of his last two years. He turned to substance abuse to try to forget the pain. He grew distant from his wife and his kids. I mean, he kind of became a mean-spirited man once he made his way home. And finally, his wife had had enough, and she filed for a divorce because she just couldn't take it anymore. And soon after, his wife Cynthia went to hear a young preacher named Billy Graham, one of his first crusade weekends in the Los Angeles area. And she found Jesus. She gave her life to Christ. And when she did, she immediately realized that that was what her husband was missing the most in his life. And so she told Louis that she didn't want a divorce anymore, and and his heart began to soften. And he still wanted no part of Christianity, but, but he too went to go hear Billy Graham speak because of the impact that he had seen it have on his wife. And of course, Louis ended up giving his life to Christ As well. And according to him, when he did, the nightmares stopped. He put the bottle down, he quit smoking, and he began to live a life of compassion. He did crazy things, y'all. He went back to Japan to share the gospel with the troops who had once abused him, going to the prison where he had been held captive himself. And he watched them and rejoiced as they came to know Jesus. He even sought out the bird. And though the bird never allowed Louis to see him, Louis wrote him a letter saying that he had forgiven him. He used his story to pour into at-risk youth. He completely transformed his life. And look, there's a lot that we could pull from his story, but what I am pulling from his story this week is that when Louis realized the compassion, the grace, the forgiveness that Christ had shown him, suddenly he was able to reflect it back out into the world. A realization that that enabled him to fulfill the call that God had placed upon his life. A call to share the gospel no matter what. Friends, I I hope today that as we crest the wave that is and will be 2024, that we can simply remember all that Christ has done for us. When Christ pulled us from the ditch, when Christ fed us and healed us, When Christ welcomed us back into the fold. When Christ protected us and cared for us and listened to us. I hope that we can remember how Christ has redeemed us. Because look, when we do, I think it becomes impossible not to reflect that love back out into the world around us. And I am convinced that when that is the footing that we are standing on, When that is our foundation, I think we have a real shot at being resilient and unshakable in our mission. I think we actually have a shot at fulfilling the call that God has placed on our lives and on our church to be resilient, to be compassionate, to be resolved. That we will be the hands and the feet of Jesus no matter what. I mean, what if, what if this was the year of resilience for us at Bluff Park United Methodist Church? My hope is that we would be a people who remember. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for all the mighty things that you have done for us and we pray this morning that we would simply remember that we would remember your goodness, that we would remember your faithfulness, that we would remember, Lord, when you pulled us from the ditch, the compassion and the mercy that you show us day in and day out so that we might simply be a people who reflect it back into the world, a people who are resilient, a people who are bold and courageous, resolved, Lord, to be your hands and your feet no matter the hand that we are dealt. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to remember so that that might be so. We sure do love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.